to Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Keith Cummings, here with a special guest, Garrett Price of Dynasty Nerds. Garrett, thank you for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I, I like to give everybody a little bit of chance just to tell the world what they're doing at their specific site. So what do you have going on at Dynasty Nerds right now? Yeah, all kinds of stuff. We're, we're getting hot heavy into prospect season. And, you know, with, with the combine coming up, we... We go in, we break down every single position. So uh, we've got all that going. We've got the nerd score coming up as well, which is basically film grades for for each player that we have. And yeah, it's 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 a busy time of year in Dynasty. That's for sure. It's it's the best time of year, I think, because Dynasty oh, is like like it's fun to win championships and play actual fantasy football games. But in terms of Dynasty, this is the time where Dynasty gets the spotlight. There's no real redraft. Sure, there's some best ball stuff going on. There's no real redraft considerations to to uh, to stand in the way of our Dynasty perspective. On today's show, I am going to rank and tier the top 12 picks in a super flex rookie draft from my perspective. And then Garrett's going to tell me where I'm wrong. We'll talk about Marvin Harrison versus Malik neighbors. We will talk about Jaden Daniels versus Drake may. We will talk about who is the RB one. And is there really any reason to think we know who the RB one is right now? Don't we have to wait until may to find out probably so, but we start as always Garrett with three questions for our guests. And this is the one that pretty much everybody gets. You're starting a new dynasty league. What is the one setting or rule for you that is non-negotiable? Like this, you're going to fight this one to the death. We're, we're going to have this setting or this rule. You guys can decide everything else. Yeah, the the one for me that is at this point it's become non-negotiable is I can't do one quarterback anymore. I just can't. Uh, it, it's it, I get it. The NFL only has one quarterback. Why are we playing with two? Uh, but the value of the quarterback in the NFL is just so high. And then you get into one quarterback leagues and nobody really cares about the quarterback position. So right. uh, for me at this point, if it's not super flex, I I'm probably out. So I, I will be changing that question. I think I I've, been, I've been waiting to see if, if I can get some other answers. I'm going to be changing that question moving forward to other than super flex, what's the one rule or setting? Because you are definitely in the majority with that answer. That's that's the answer we get from almost everybody. And I mostly agree. I've got some one quarterback leagues. I'm not leaving them. But most of the new sure. leagues I add, I plan on making those super flex leagues. Now, as of right now, I'm going to talk about my tier breaks here in just a minute. But as of right now, how many tier breaks do you see in round one of a rookie draft? Yeah, I, I think you could make an argument for four uh, tier breaks. It's somewhere between three and four. Right. Uh, I think you could go either way on it. Right now, I kind of have it as four, uh, okay. personally, four tier breaks. But I could I could see arguments for for only having it three. But I do like to to look at it in the sense of, is there any chance that I would take player a over player b if 10 out of 10 times i'm taking player a they're not in the same tier uh right. so so that's kind of how i look at it well and, I, and that, I think that's a good point because and i and i don't know i haven't we haven't discussed this yet but i've got caleb williams at 101 and i do have him in the same tier as some other guys i have a hard time making a case though that i'm going to take somebody else over caleb williams in a super flex draft yeah yeah you you could you could make a strong argument that Caleb is in a tier by himself. I know Jaden Daniels has gotten a lot of love lately. Right. So for some people that's changing possibly, but uh, I do think you can make a strong argument for him being 
in a solo tier. I do think if somebody trades up to 102 in a real like a, with a play caller we like and takes Jaden Daniels at 102, then I would expect it's definitely going to become a debate between Caleb Williams and kind of like the Anthony Richardson last year. Before the draft, nobody would have said Anthony Richardson should be the first player drafted. But then once he earned that draft capital of a top three pick, and we knew he was with a a, a coordinator who had made Jalen Hurts one of the best quarterbacks in fantasy, then it became more interesting. And and really, I think it turns out it was actually C.J. Stroud, but Richardson might be right there with him. Question number three, who is your favorite rookie sleeper right now and why? Yeah, so favorite rookie sleeper, uh, I'm going to go with Dejon Edwards uh, running back out of Georgia. So this is when I looked at his tape, and I've, I've been watching him actually recently. I've been watching his tape. I love the way that he plays the game. Not the biggest, most physically imposing guy. He's five foot nine, 203 pounds, so he's not this like – hulking player uh that i that i would typically gravitate towards at the running back position but when you watch him he never goes down at first contact never he either makes a guy miss in the open field uh or in the backfield he runs a guy over so much more physically imposing that you would than you would expect for a guy sub 205 pounds like it's really really impressive to watch him run the football he can do some things in the in the receiving game as well so he's viable uh in in that sense and i he's not a player because of his size i I don't think we see him until day three but he's one of those guys where he fits it if he finds the right scheme he could really make some difference in the nfl so uh it's definitely a long shot you know fourth round of, of your rookie rookie drafts and guys like that. Uh, but I love taking those, those running backs late because in my dynasty leagues, if I get myself a wide receiver, six, seven, eight, I never know when to play those guys. Good luck figuring out the two games a year that they can score a touchdown. Uh, but when running backs, when they get, you know, whether it's due to injury or being promoted, you know, when to play those guys. And then you have an opportunity to trade him as well. So love getting running backs late in drafts. And Dejon Edwards is a guy that I'm going to look at. Yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, and I see a lot of top 12s that don't have a running back this time of year in their top 12 rookies. And and I understand why that is. You don't know where these guys are going. And so if you're actually drafting players, you don't want to draft a running back who might turn out to be a round three pick to be a backup running back to somebody else. It might be a Zach Charbonnet situation. You just took him in round one. I guess people did that last year, even even after Charbonnet went to Seattle. Um, <laughs> but, it, but I do think that eventually we're going to get one or two running backs that move into round one after we get landing spots. But then we probably have a little dry spell in round two. And so I think round three, we're going to see a lot of running backs this year. And, I, I, and you're right. Now, the counterpoint to that, obviously, would be Tank Dell and Pukunakua which is probably going to drive some sure. people to make poor decisions this year because, oh, I can just find the next Tank Dell or Pukunakua. No, those guys probably yeah. aren't. They're not probably not probably going to exist this year, right? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, no, but, but they were they were fantastic players. And you do find wide receivers here and there uh, at the end of your draft. So it's definitely in the realm of possibility. Diggs was one of those guys back in the day, and uh, it's possible, but it's it's much more difficult to find those guys than it is the – James Robinson's, the Aaron Jones, the Philip Lindsay's, the guys like that. Yeah, and and those guys can also turn into profit. And like you mentioned, Robinson, if you can take advantage of that rookie year and then sell before they fall off a cliff, 
it's it's almost like making double the profit. So that I I yes. definitely agree with you, and I'll, I'll be keeping an eye out for uh, those days, John. Uh, let's take a short break here, and then we're going to get into my top twelve. Okay, Gary. So we're back, and and the way that I set this up is kind of my individual tiers with some question marks. So in tier okay. one, I had Marvin, I had Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, Drake May. And Drake May is the question mark. I can't, I, I really can't decide if I, if May deserves to, and it'll probably come down to landing spot. Like if he's just the clear number two pick, and then May probably is in that group as well. But I get a lot more excited about drafting the first four guys in that tier Williams, Daniels, Harrison, and Neighbors. It, would these five slash four all be in your first tier? They would all be in my first tier, and and I would even add a player to that tier, actually. Uh, or, or I guess they would all be in my second tier, because like I mentioned earlier, Caleb Williams right now is in his own tier for me. Right. Uh, so I have him kind of separated out. And it would be, you know, going back to the 1QB league that I'm never going to play in, it would be kind of the same thing if it was a 1QB league. Marvin Harrison Jr. for me might end up in his own tier. Uh, but in super flex leagues, uh, yes, it would be all of those quarterbacks and those receivers kind of all bunched together in one tier right behind Caleb Williams. And you said there was one extra player you'd add in. Who would that be? It'd be Romo Dunze. Okay. Uh, really like Romo Dunze. Very talented receiver. Does a lot of things right. I don't think he's going to be the most physically, you know, the, the guy that wows you uh, as far as his 40 numbers and things like that. But it does everything so well and so fluidly. Yeah, and and I had a note. You you see this? I'll I'll let the listener in. Mm-hmm. Like I I had kind of four, and then Drake May maybe tier one and a half, and Roma Dunze maybe tier yeah. one and a half. And so when, when you talk about Caleb being in a tier of his own, like the way I like to use these tiers is if I've got a pick towards the top of the tier, and I can I can make a profit and move back two or three spots. I'm okay doing that. Um, you'd like to do that from 102, but not from 101, it sounds like. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I would be totally fine doing that because uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm digging deeper into Jaden Daniels and, and Drake May this week, actually, for, for right. our next upcoming episode. So uh, I'll have a, a more refined opinion on the two. Uh, but I am a guy that has been a fan of Drake May. Uh, right. For a while, I think he's a very talented player, and we do get to this time of year, and it, and it's hard to differentiate the the news from the noise on some of these guys because we get to this time of year every year where all of a sudden somebody out of nowhere kind of skyrockets up boards, and that's kind of what happened to Jaden Daniels up until the last like month of the season. Nobody was really talking about him, and then all right. of a sudden he just crushes the end of the year, wins the Heisman. Now he's being talked about. I mean, there's some guys putting him one-on-one over Caleb Williams. So he's really risen up boards. But Drake May, we, we see the test of time. He's kind right. of been there this whole time, has all of those prototypical things that you like to see. So, you know, it, he's one of those guys, he gets off the bus and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the starting quarterback right there. That's the guy. Uh, and a better athlete than I think he gets credit for. So uh, so I do like Drake May quite a bit. I don't know if I'm going to have it him or Daniels uh, as as the two yet but I think both are very close from and again, I'm still pretty early in the process as well, but from where, where I'm at, it seems like Drake may is more likely to be an NFL quarterback for the next 10 years than Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels. He's more likely to be successful as a passer in the NFL than Jaden Daniels. 
But Jaden Daniels could be a top 12 fantasy quarterback without ever being successful as a passer. And if he is successful as a passer, he could be QB one, two, three in a given season because of that athleticism. Is that a fair, fair way to break it down? I, I think that was an excellent way to put it. You're absolutely right. Drake May is going to be the more CJ Stroud mold. Now, will he have the rookie season? Probably <laughs> not. You know, we, we don't normally say, right. but he's more of last year's CJ Stroud, the kind of guy that's not being talked about as much just because doesn't have some of those uh those tantalizing upside skills that some of the other players like Jane Daniels and Caleb Williams both have with with their running ability and improbability but Drake May's no slouch in the running game he, he's able to get it done right. but he's not a guy that's ever going to rush for more than four 450 in a season so it'll be a little bonus but it's not a Daniels where he could he could be like Justin Fields in that sense where he didn't throw for a lot but Man, he ran for 1,100 yards this season, so he was still very valuable as a fantasy quarterback. It seems kind of like sometimes Jaden Daniels thinks that he's built like Josh Allen. Like, could <laughs> could you just avoid a little bit of contact occasionally? Yeah, it, it is funny, too, because I was like, oh, we'll coach it out of him. Very rarely do I see that get coached out of players. No. No, they keep talking about it with Josh Allen. Like they talk about it on the sideline with him, and then he runs out yeah. and trucks somebody and giggles all the way back to the huddle. You can't, I don't think you can take that out of guys, even quarterbacks. The problem is Jaden Daniels is not built like Josh Allen. So no. you said you would put Roma Dunze in this tier one. I, I assume that means because you also kind of in, intimated that maybe Harrison could almost be in a tier of his own. You have neighbors closer to Dunze than you do to Harrison. I do. I'm a big Marvin Harrison Jr. guy. Uh, I think it's it's a little bit of prospect fatigue, I think, with, yeah. with Marvin Harrison Jr. We've known how good he has been for a while. Like we're we're well aware of his his talent, his ability, his lineage, his I mean, everything, just every box you can just check in favor of Marvin Harrison. And we want something to talk about. We want there to be some right. discussion, some debate. And 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 this is no no knock on neighbors at all. Neighbors is an incredibly talented receiver. He will probably go top 10 in the NFL draft and deservedly so. But if we want to talk about the next Alvin Johnson, Julio Jones type of prospect, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. He's that guy. Yeah, I I, I think like I'm I'm pretty set on the one, two, three nature of those three. Um I'm not I'm not as certain which one I think neighbors is closer to yet. And that does really matter when it comes down to tiering. Now for me, tier two or one and a half was Roma Dunze. And then I love Troy Franklin's game and Brock Bowers is going to end up in that pick five through seven, six through eight range. Certainly I'm generally the kind of guy who's very skeptical about drafting a tight end in the first round of rookie drafts. And I think NFL teams looking at past history should maybe be skeptical about drafting a tight end in the first round of the NFL draft. But where are you at on Bowers? And do you think he's, he's, close to that Adunze group or is it a pretty clear cutoff there for you? I think for me, this would, would come down to league format. If we're talking about a tight end premium league where you get extra points, you know, if, if a tight end catches a pass, then I think you can make a strong argument that he would belong in that Odunze area, Drake may, you know, those guys, I think you can make a strong argument there. If it's non tight end premium, then, then yeah, he's, he's definitely, uh, down a little bit on my board. And, and and you're right. We've seen, you know, Kyle Pitts 
is is the most recent example of a guy that everyone just went crazy for just tantalizing upside and even a guy that is good for fantasy now but wasn't his first few years in and a guy like tj hawkinson you just brought it up there you know tj hawkinson very talented tight end and now is an elite option uh but wasn't used that way in the first three or so years uh in detroit now the hilarious part is they draft a guy to replace him and then use him like that right. which is still comical to me uh how that happened but either way uh i i would have a hard time putting him in that tier if it's not a tight end premium if it's not a tight end premium so yeah and i and i think like my general philosophy with these guys, these tight ends that get drafted in round one, is they will be cheaper 15 to 18 months from now. Um, that's obviously not going to be the case with Sam Laporta, but he wasn't drafted quite that high either. He was a, he was a round two tight end. I'm okay drafting the, the really good tight ends in round two. Bowers has been phenomenal. It is amazing how much different he looks when he stands next to NFL players or former NFL players versus how he looked on a college field, isn't it? Like he just this absolute monster of a man. And then it's like, oh no, he's just the size of all the other NFL players. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the one picture of him next to Gronk and uh, it, it was, it was kind of common because Gronk is obviously a massive dude, but he like, he totally made him look like a guy that works for like geek squad or something. It was, it was pretty comical. So who would be in your tier three after, uh, so you've got Caleb Williams tier one, then you've got Harris and Daniels, neighbors, may Adunze in tier two. Who would be in your tier three? Well, I'm actually tempted to put it back into tier two. I'm, I'm tempted to put JJ McCarthy in there. Yeah. And it's it's not necessarily because I'm the biggest JJ McCarthy guy, but in, in, in your super flex leagues, right? if a guy is going to get legitimate first round draft capital, and I think he will, I think, I think we're going to end up seeing McCarthy probably in the top 15 or so picks. And if that's the case, it's really hard to not take them at least in the mid to late first round. So uh, while he would be at the end of that tier, I would put him up there with, with Odunze and those guys, if that's the case. Um, but as far as the rest of tier three goes, uh, I, I saw in here, and, and I love how you put it, running back one, uh, but you didn't put who that is, uh, which is absolutely on par for this class right now, because it's a huge debate as to who the top running back is at this point. And yeah, and I hear for the most part, that's talked about in a way that is, there's just not any good running backs in this class. And there's certainly not a, a super, I mean, there's nobody that anybody's going to reach into round one for in the NFL. I don't think it's probably going to, you're probably going to see round two is the earliest. Some people have talked about round three. I, I doubt we go that long. But I still think what's going to happen is we're going to have one or two guys who get drafted in round two on great or good offenses, and those guys are easily going to be first-round super flex rookie picks. They're probably going to be top 10 picks. Um, do you have a favorite that you hope lands in a certain spot? Like, is there Are there a couple of guys that you'll feel more confident about if the NFL validates um, – the way you think about them as of right now, I have two guys that I think are both kind of jockeying for my top spot. And, yeah. and obviously you're right. The NFL landscape and, and how this works out as far as draft capital and landing spot and all that will, will play a role in it. But the two guys right now for me, 
are Jonathan Brooks out of out of Texas. Uh, I, I would say if there was a consensus, which there's not, uh, but he would be the closest to probably the consensus top guy at this point out of Texas. Uh, talented running back. He's got solid size. He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, so he's the name I'm probably hearing the most, and I think it's justified. Uh, there's a lot to like in his game. The other guy I don't think is being talked about quite as much as the top running back, maybe more like running back three, four, five. Uh, but Marshawn Lloyd uh, out of USC really like what I've seen in his game. Uh, highly touted recruit uh, when he ended up going to South Carolina, some injuries and just some weird stuff there just didn't work out, but transferred over to USC and he looked really good in that offense this year uh, has some good physicality to his game uh, weighed in, had a nice weigh in at, uh, the the senior bowl there see some some pass catching ability made some big plays in the past game actually for USC so and and really the thing that I love about his game is the ability to make guys miss in the open field he's got really good feet really good kind of next level vision when we're we're in the the, the second level of the defense he has a, does a really good job of manipulating defenders so I like what I've seen out of Marshawn Lloyd's game so those would probably be the top two guys for me at this point. I think Brooks is definitely the most interesting because I don't think there'd be any doubt that he would be the consensus favorite running back if he wasn't coming off of a torn ACL. Um, but yeah. some some people are viewing that rookie year almost like a redshirt type year. And the, the interesting thing is that generally speaking, that the guys who are going to be first considering these running backs are guys drafting 9, 10, 11, 12. If those are guys who earned these draft spots, then they're looking for somebody who's going to help them this year. Um, like they're they're true contenders. Now, probably the best thing to do is trade that pick and try to get a starting running back um, sure. based, based on this class. But I, I do think that's why, especially this year, landing spots going to matter so much. It's partially because there's not like this the superstar, the guaranteed superstar. It's partially because there are set four or five guys maybe that aren't that far apart. And then it's also because we're not talking about drafting RB1 with the second or third or fourth or even fifth pick. We're talking about the contenders considering these guys. Like The, the thing I have said over and over and over again is, it's a guy like Blake Corum. Like if, if Arbaugh just slams his hand on the table and they take him in round two and he's the Chargers lead running back in Greg Roman's system, well, all of a sudden he's a top 10 rookie pick. And that's oh, going to drive that's going to drive some people crazy. But it's just kind of the nature of the position. I also think that Braylon Allen, Trey Benson, those guys, if they're the first running back taken and they go to a good situation, they could be the RB1. Um, I do think that Brooks is probably the only one that I'm really excited about if I'm one of those teams at 201, 202, 203 that are still kind of in rebuild mode. And I'm mostly adding wide receivers, but Brooks is still there because of the ACL then maybe I feel okay about that. He's probably not going to score any points and hurt me this year. And then he's right, be, right. he might be the best running back in this class after year two. I do want to go back, though, to my tier three for a second because I was, I'd was i mentioned Troy Franklin, who is right now yeah. my seventh or eighth player in a super flex draft. Um, a, a smaller speed guy. We've seen here in the last two or three years that the size really doesn't seem to matter as much in terms of NFL success. And I think you you see people debating Franklin against Brian Thomas or Franklin against um, A.D. Mitchell. Like th those types of big, big wide receivers. Are you still leaning towards the big guys? 
or do you think that, that it doesn't matter as much as it used to? Yeah, I don't think it really does matter as much as it used to. I think if all things are equal, you know, guys, similar speed, similar leaping ability, similar, you know, catch ability, all of those things, route running, and another, and one of those guys has two inches on the other one. Well, then, yeah, they're probably going to favor the guy that, that, you know, has that tiebreaker. But I, I think that's really what it's become. Size has become more of a tiebreaker more than it has a necessity for a, a legitimate wide receiver one. And, and I think one of those guys that, doesn't get credit for it as much, but really kind of helped break that mold was Antonio Brown. Yeah. I don't think people realize he was not a very big guy. I think people think he was bigger than he actually was, but he had, what was it? Five, six straight wide receiver one seasons for fantasy football. Like not a wide receiver one, like wide receiver one overall, just an absolutely absurd run. The guy was like five, 10, 180 pounds. Like, not a big dude, not a big dude at all. So uh, it is interesting because uh, guys like, you know, we mentioned earlier Tank Dell, where in years past, if it had been a decade ago, he's an undrafted free agent. You know, the teams might might not even touch him. And now he's he's getting drafted, still day three, uh, but but clearly getting opportunities to, to elevate and move up his game. So, yeah, I don't think it matters nearly as much as it used to. Uh, but but I do think for me, it, it is kind of a, a tiebreaker uh, of guys that I like similarly. Now, I saw that Troy Franklin said this morning that he did meet with the Bills. How out of okay. control is his rookie ADP going to be if he's drafted in round one by the Bills? Oh, man, that would be nuts. We saw, you know, if he could become a consistent Gabe Davis. Now, obviously, their games are very different, but both, you know, big time speed and, and making big time plays. Uh, wow. That would be, that would be incredible. <laughs> okay. We get to my tier three. I think it would be in your tier four range here. If, 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 uh, I'm not mistaken, but JJ McCarthy yeah. is there. I could absolutely sneak, see him sneaking up to the top eight, depending on how high he gets drafted. And if we like the team that he gets drafted by, I'm not sure I'm going to be super excited if he's drafted by the Broncos. I just don't know that whole situation is going to work out for anybody, but, uh, yeah, McCarthy could go to a good spot with early enough draft capital. He could sneak into the top eight picks, but I've got McCarthy. RB1, Xavier Worthy, and Brian Thomas Jr. Who's your uh, who's your favorite of those two wide receivers between Thomas and Worthy? Uh, I like Thomas a little bit more than I like Worthy. I, I think Worthy is a, is a nice player, obviously big-time speed. One of the few guys in this class that we saw really break out as a, as a true freshman. Uh, it doesn't happen as often, and especially in this class. So he, he does have that long history of being successful at at a big time conference, but I do have some questions in his game. Uh, I don't think he's as, as complete of a prospect right. as a guy like, like Brian Thomas. And I think that's what, what kind of elevates him for me a little bit. So worthy probably wouldn't be in that tier. Brian Thomas definitely would. I would have Troy Franklin in that tier and a guy that I, I feel like Jekyll and Hyde uh, when I, when I watch this guy and I, I'm really struggling with what to do here is Keon Coleman. Uh, Keon Coleman in yeah. one hand, tantalizing upside. He's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the leaping ability, the catching. Like, there's a lot of things to like in his game. On the flip side, two guys that I work not off my board, but I had drastically lower the past couple years. Uh, what, what was Traylon Burks and then Quentin Johnston? Those were two guys that mm -hmm. I had well below consensus. And he seems to fit very nicely into the mold of a Traylon Burks. 
and a Quentin Johnston. So I have been like, I feel like Jekyll and Hyde every time I watch him, there's, there's part of me that, that loves some of the things I see and I think will translate to the next level. Uh, but there are other things that, that are cause for concern and, and some, I don't want to say red flags, but yellow flags in his game that, that have me wondering. Well, I don't know how, how deep you get into the analytics side of it. I know you do a lot of film work. Um, yeah. I will say that on Twitter, if you want to talk about the two guys who get the most shade from the analytics groupings, like here's a group of wide receivers who did this in college and they all stink. And then it's Keon Coleman or it's Adonai Mitchell. It's one of those two guys. Right. Um, right. That, that is paired in with all of the first round rookie busts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the struggle. That's the struggle. And, and you can see it on tape. There's, there's parts, there's shades of him that are beautiful and wonderful. And there are shades of him that you're like, ew, I don't like that. So it's, uh, he's going to be, he's going to be one that I think I'm going to have to go through with a fine tooth comb a little bit more than, than I might even other prospects just to really figure out where, where am I at on this guy? We do have a good question from the chat before we take a second break here for liquidity. Do you think that Brooks will get a pass for the injury? Meaning if he has a down year one, will he hold value as opposed to someone like Blake Corum who will probably crater if he has a dud rookie year? Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Are dynasty and managers actually that patient? <laughs> that's another great question. Right. Uh, yeah, Cause we do have a hard time uh, with patients uh, often. I, I can attest to that as well, but I do think he's, he's the type of player that, that would get a little bit more of a pass than other mm -hmm. players. So if, if for some reason, you know, year one didn't quite work out, even if it's only, you know, a few games, I think he would get a little bit more of a pass, especially when you, you consider a guy recently that dealt with injuries in his first season and then exploded in year two, like Kyron Williams, you know, that, that might be fresh in people's minds. So it might be a little more apt to, to give some time similar to a, a round one quarterback that maybe doesn't have a great year one, but because of the draft capital, you give him a little more time. Same type of thing with a running back with an injury. I think people are apt to give him a little bit more time because ACLs aren't what they used to be. It's it's not as big of a deal. It's not a, as big of a concern long-term for players like it used to be. So I, I do think he would get a little bit more of a pass. Well, I think a good way to kind of judge that for yourself is if these two guys have the same year, who are you more likely to say, I'll buy Lewa on that guy? And for me, it's definitely yeah. Brooks. Like, I think Blake Corum in the right situation could come out and have a great rookie year. But if he's bad, I'm not going to have hardly any interest at all in him the following year. Um, right. Brooks, I will be interested in. And, and to make to your point about the injury, like the a guy I thought you were going to talk about was Jamison Williams. He didn't explode in year two. In fact, he didn't sure. do much in year two. People are still excited about potentially acquiring Jamison Williams for next year. Now, it's easier with a wide receiver, but. Right. People will make excuses for prospects that they really, really liked. Um, and th yeah, there's not a lot of people that seem like they really like Blake Corum. So maybe that was just a bad example to use, but they'll like him a lot if he goes to the Chargers. Let's take one more short break and then we got a few questions left here for Garrett. Okay, Garrett. So we went through my top 12 Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, Drake May, Roma Dunze, Troy Franklin, Brock Bowers. RB1, whoever that is, J.J. McCarthy, Xavier Worthy, and Brian Thomas Jr. I've seen a lot of rookie mocks, rookie rankings, as we talked about, that have zero running backs in the top 12, and, and I understand why. Um, is it more likely that we get 
two plus running backs in round one of drafts in May or zero? I lean toward zero. I think yeah. that would be the more likely scenario. And who knows? We could have two teams draft a running back in round two that desperately need running back. And it looks like they're going to give them a lot of volume and, and we could get there. But it does seem like a class where we mentioned it with the injury with Brooks. So even if he goes in round two, our team's going to be a little more hesitant to take him. And then you see a lot of round three guys, which are always intriguing because round three is a little bit better draft capital than it would seem. It would have been 10 years ago, right? Where round three was, I don't really want round three guys. Now it's like, Oh, that's, that's pretty good draft capital for running back. So I think it's always a possibility. Uh, But I think, Dynasty managers over the years have gotten smarter and we've seen this happen over and over again where guys get pushed up into the first round just because everyone needs running backs and then those guys that get pushed up just because of opportunity but the talent was never there they just don't seem to work out you know even even you know Keyshawn Vaughn is is a good example from a few years back uh who's the guy from the Saints this year uh Kendra Miller Kendra Miller, I saw him go in first rounds of yeah. some drafts just because, you know, what could be with the Saints? And it, we, we see this happen almost every year where a running back or two gets pushed up simply because I need a running back and this guy could work. And then we miss out on some really talented receivers or tight ends or guys like that. So I think manager, managers are getting a little bit smarter. So I think one is the most likely. But if I had to err on the side, I would say zero. I think you're giving dynasty managers too much credit. Um, maybe on Twitter, maybe I, definitely it will be Twitter fodder for for all sure. of us eggheads to talk about how there shouldn't be two running backs. But I still think when it comes down to it, you're going to have contending teams with holes at running back, and they're not going to get to pick again until pick 22. And so they're yeah. maybe they'll be fortunate, maybe smart enough to trade back. But I, I think I think we end up with two. But we'll you see. So? I, it, it should it probably should be one. I'm just gonna guess that it ends up being two. Now, second question, because in, in my top 12, I had four quarterbacks. There mm-hmm. is definitely and there's buzz about everybody this time of year if you look hard enough, but there's a little bit of sure. buzz about Spencer Rattler and some teams liking him. There's some buzz about Bo Nix and some teams liking him. Um, and then there's always the possibility that the JJ McCarthy hype just fizzles and he falls a lot further than we think. So more likely we get five quarterbacks in round one of a super flex rookie draft or three. I'm going to go on the other side. I'm going to go with five this time. I I think, I think there's more likely that we'll get five quarterbacks uh, in, in here. And simply because we we talked about it with the running backs, there's going to be guys there that are not that exciting. Right. And we've, we've seen some guys in recent years in rounds two and three that, have ended up being good fantasy football quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is the one that most obviously comes to mind, but Dak Prescott and and Kirk Cousins. And, you know, I think uh, Michael Penix could be in the middle of round two of the NFL draft and sneak in to pick 112 or Bo Nix in that range. Or, you know, you mentioned Rattler. I I think that there's a guy that could end up going mid-round two to a team where we're like, ooh, that's, that's interesting. And and he sneaks in because at this point I would be very shocked if McCarthy is not a first round pick in super flex drafts. So that's that's what's leading me to say I really don't think it'll be three. I think four is the most likely, but I'm going to err on the side of five this time. 
It's very interesting when people are sitting there at 112 trying to choose between Bo Nix and Jonathan Brooks. Um, and they should probably yeah. just take another wide receiver. <laughs> but probably that, should. That, that will be a, a debate that somebody's going to have to make. Who is the best player that we have not talked about yet? Man, there's there's a lot of really good players uh, in this class overall. And specifically, I, I think of the wide receiver position. There's a lot of really good guys there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Lad McConkey's gotten a lot of love uh, after the the senior bowl stuff that he did, Jeremiah Burton. But a guy that I'm interested in, and I think he could end up being a really good player, is Malachi Corley uh, out, yes. of, out of Western Kentucky. Uh, watching his tape. I mean, he's built like a running back. He is. He is. He's thick. And you, you see some of that. And and I hate doing this because he's not going to be this player. Uh, but you do get some of those uh, Golden Tate, Debo Samuel type of vibes of yeah. the yards after the catch, doing being able to do things in the screen game over the middle. He's one that I'm definitely keeping an eye on because he's a smaller school guy. But he's starting to get some round two buzz of the NFL draft now. So definitely a guy I'm keeping in mind. And I think it was uh was it Daniel Jeremiah that recently had him in his top 50? Yeah. It was Daniel Jeremiah. Uh so definitely a guy that I'm keeping keeping an eye on. I think it's so hard. And I'm a guy who watched a lot of conference USA football this past year. Um there, there was some some really, really poor secondary play. <laughs> and so it's like he's he was a stud and stood out. Yeah. And I think he can play in the league. But it's just so hard to put in perspective what he did with the level of competition that he was playing. Yes, it's yeah. it's still a, it's still a, a D one school, but it was it was that was a, that was a bad defensive conference at times. Um, and so I think it will be really really dependent on where he gets drafted in the NFL draft. If he sneaks into round two, then everybody's going to be on board. And he's still kind of a sleeper. And you look at a lot of rankings, he's not in some people's top 30. He's not in some people's top 36. And so there may be some huge value available there. Now, I would assume at some point, we're going to start comparing him to Pukunokua or to Tank Dell, even though there's really no reason to do that. And then he's going to get a little bit more steam and maybe sneak in the end of round two or something like that. But no, I I love that answer. I loved the player. I have a really hard time evaluating what he did against the level of competition that he played against. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough with those smaller school guys because sometimes they absolutely belong. And then other times you, you watch them and you're like, they clearly just dominate against bad players because they don't look like the rest of these guys at the NFL level. So, so yeah, those smaller school guys, it, it, it can be tricky uh, to evaluate them. I do like it when, when you get to see them at the senior bowl a little bit, yeah. because that does help level the playing field some. So I do, I do like it when I get to see those guys kind of at that, at that next level at the senior bowl. This is a good question here from Matt before we uh, wrap up here talking about how good neighbors is, how good Marvin Harrison is. You've got that second or third pick, depending on where you end up with the quarterbacks. What would you need to trade down from thinking you're going to draft Marvin Harrison to thinking you're going to draft Malik Neighbors? So for me, I like to kind of put these guys in my overall wide receiver rankings Mm -hmm. to kind of evaluate where I would want or what type of asset I would want to move down. So for me right now, Marvin Harrison Jr. is dynasty-wise right around that wide receiver five, six range. Uh, right around like a Garrett Wilson type of guy. Uh, that that's the kind of range that I have him in. Where 
Malik Neighbors is down a little bit further for me, probably more in that wide receiver 14 range, 15 yeah. range, uh, somewhere, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. type of guys uh, in that range. So, you know, if I'm looking to go from Michael Pittman Jr. to Garrett Wilson, that's kind of how I like to kind of evaluate right. where I what I would want for a player like that. So for me, it would be probably like two seconds, two uh, seconds, okay. something in in that ballpark. Okay, no, I think I think that's a good answer. I think one second um, gets that done easily. Asking for the second might make it a little bit more difficult, and it probably should be a little bit more difficult. So, Garrett, thank you very much for coming on today to talk with us. Once again, before I let you go, kind of tell everybody where they can find your work and what you've got coming up. Yeah, all kinds of stuff uh, at Dynasty Nerds, DynastyNerds.com. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty Price. And this time of year, especially, really ramp up as far as content and, and stuff going out. So uh, excited to talk all of these prospects with you. We've got some new shows coming up. So a lot, a lot of things up our sleeves over at Dynasty Nerds. So it should be fun time. Go check out Garrett on Twitter. Go check out Dynasty Nerds. Thank you all for following along in the chat. Thank you to everybody who's listening on the podcast. We will talk to you next week.